welcome to Dragonfire Books episode 22. Today we're going to be reviewing The Colossus Rises um, by Peter Laringus. And here to review with me is Papa. Hello, Allegra. <laughs> Thank you for having me on your podcast. <laughs> um, okay, so um, it was published in the year 2013. And it has 384 pages. I'm not sure why that's important, but... Well, what if someone isn't up to reading a really big book and they just want a short book? Oh, I guess. Well, yeah. Um, And it is, like, sci-fi adventure fantasy kind of thing. Like, yeah. I chose this book because I really liked it, and um, I thought it would be really fun to do an episode... Of a book that Papa and I have both read. Who suggested you read the book? You. (laughs) (laughs) Were you hesitant to read it because it wasn't written by Rick Riordan? (laughs) Just because I'm a Rick Riordan fan doesn't mean that's all I read. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I haven't done a Percy Jackson or Heroes of Olympus or Trials of Apollo maybe... No, I think I did transfer them all. I did the Tower of Mirror. But I haven't done any of those episodes yet. At least, does that make you happy? <laughs> but um, I don't know if it's won awards or not. I don't know either. I didn't see any. I looked. I didn't see any. But I wanted to read, speaking of Rick Reardon, I wanted to read something that I came across in my research on the reception of the book and the mm-hmm. publication of the book. Go ahead. Okay. The publisher chose a quote to use to market the book and it happens to be by Rick Riordan. <laughs> it's a Rick Riordan publisher. Riordan. Riordan, sorry. Okay. So here's here's what Rick Riordan has to say about the book, okay? Yeah. A high octane mix of modern adventure and ancient secrets. The Colossus Rises is Laringus's how do you say his name? Laringus? Laringus? Laringus's most gripping work yet. Young readers will love this story. I can't wait to see what's next in the Seven Wonders series. Dramatic as always, huh? And then the publisher calls the book Percy Jackson meets Indiana Jones. Which I, I you, don't know what you don't, Indiana Jones is. I know, Jones but so, you will soon. I'll, I'll show you the movie and you'll understand. Is, Indiana it, is Jones, there a book? It, no, it, it was a movie. Oh. Indiana Jones is a movie series about a guy who is an archaeologist. Oh, fun fact I read in the week um, that the, um, the Indiana Jones' name was inspired by the director's dog. Yes. But so it's a story. It's Because there was all, because in the, in the week, Junior, there, the subject of the week was, was, it was, like Luke, movies was Lucasfilm. Oh, okay. So anyway, so Indiana mm-hmm. Jones is about an archaeologist who goes on adventures looking for special treasures. So it adventure is, is fun. It's <laughs> kind of similar, right? But yeah. it takes place like... It's like takes place in the in the forties. Yeah. So this this book takes place in current day, I yeah. think, right? Anyway, so it is similar to Percy Jackson in yeah, that in it's a few fantasy ways. and it's yeah. a chosen person who has godlike powers. Also sort of. Why do he's a kid? Why do the protagonists always have really terrible lives before they find out they have magical powers? That's a great point. You should look into that. I guess it makes them more relatable. Right, because if they seem regular at the beginning, 
if they're already powerful at the beginning and then they get more powerful, it's not as exciting as if they're just a regular kid who gets super Yeah, do you know what else I noticed about the book? Hmm. The protagonist, Jack, has a really low self-esteem. He's like, I am not good at anything. <laughs> but that's, that's the journey he goes on, right? That's the emotional part of the journey because he starts off feeling a little sad. <laughs> yeah. Because well, his dad doesn't live there, basically. His dad is gone in another country or something like that, and he has a nanny who quits. And so he's basically living alone, which doesn't seem like okay. Yeah, for, for a 13-year-old. Yeah. Like, why would you leave a 13-year-old Good there? question. I think we have to talk to the author about this dad character who's disappeared. <laughs> Well, he comes back in the next, in the next. Don't spoil it. I haven't read that one. I wasn't trying to. Okay. So Peter Larangus wrote The 39 Clues, The Viper's Nest, and The Sword Thief. Fun fact. He's written over 300 books. He's written over 300? Wow. They all seem to have similar sort of (laughs) formats in terms of their stories. Which doesn't make them bad. It just seems like he figured out what he likes to do and he's sticking with it. Mm -hmm. The other thing I noticed is that he wrote the novelization of Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, which was the sequel to Home Alone, which you haven't seen, but we're going to watch. Yeah, that's what Mama says. Yeah. So he wrote the book version of the movie, which is pretty Uh, funny. What would you say the movie trailer statement of of the book is? The Colossus Rises, a thrilling, action-packed adventure full of sci-fi and fantasy. Follow protagonist Jack as he adventures around the globe to find the Lockalosses, Lockalai, to save himself and his friends from imminent death, all the while raising the Masa, their enemy league. so should we talk about the characters now yeah young jack (laughs) travels around the globe with his friends to help save their lives for the atlantis gene haunts them it gives them super cool powers like ultra memory but it's also really bad for them it makes them get sick and die when they're 14 years old Follow Jack and his friends as they travel and try to find the Luckily. And they confront the Zeus statue that comes alive. Except he's actually not Zeus. But you'll find that out later in the series. Wow. It is finally here. Peter Larangus's The Colossus Rises. All right, moving on. Let's go back to the description of the main characters. Okay, Jack is 13 years old. He thinks he's not good at anything, but then he soon finds out that he has this gene in his body that makes him, like, have superpowers, except he doesn't know what his is because he's not good at anything. The he gene, he's not good at anything. The gene enchances the, um, the person's best ability. And then we have some other kids, but there's also... Professor Begad. Professor Begad? Professor Begad? I'm just gonna say Begad. He's a professor and he's like obsessed with the Atlantis. Gene. He's like a scientist. 
a scientist. And he runs this the, the, organization. Why would, well, why would they call him professor if he wasn't a professor, he's, Papa? He's also a professor. I'm not saying he's not a professor, but yeah. he's, he's a scientist trying to harness the power of the Loculi, right? Yeah, and... Um, and the kids that have the power. And he helps run the Karai Institute. Karai is, was one of the ancient princes of Atlantis. He was brothers to Masarnim, who was another king prince except um they were enemies is that why the other group trying to find the loculi is called that yeah oh i didn't realize that thank you and well there's a lot of um like messed up stuff going on there so let's talk about the other main character so when he's taken to this island where the karai institute is he meets a bunch of other kids yeah, would you like to see one of the other kids? Sure. There's Cass. He can. He has a perfect memory, and he also is able to create maps easily. Right? He has photographic memory, and he can remember everything. And, and he's also, like, I think the book a, calls him a nerd or something. Yeah. yeah. And he really likes to code, so That's right. there's, like, all these code stuff. code stuff. Like, when they try to escape. Right, right. And then there's Marco. Yeah, and he's like a super athlete. And you can like jump super high in the air. It's super leaps. And then there's Allie, right? Yeah. I'd never seen the word, the name spelled like that before. It's spelled A-L-Y. Yeah. Um, well, what's her deal? She's like an amazing hacker. Right. She's a hacker. That's and funny. she can hack into anything. Yeah. And she and Jack, do they get along at first or they don't? I don't remember. I think they do. A lot of times they have the male protagonist and a female character not get along at first. And then it takes them That's the exactly whole... what happened in the first Percy Jackson book. I know. I've read that book. <laughs> I know, Papa. That's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a, something that happens often in these stories. Okay, so is that all the kids? I think that's all the kids. That's all the kids. All right, and um, then there's Tarquin, who's like the Torquin. Torquin, Papa. thank you. Who's like the, like the henchman, like the guy who like does yeah, like the dirty Professor work. Professor is the brains. Torquin is the muscle. Right. Then there's the other group that's also trying to get the... The Masa! Okay. And... Dun, dun, wait, dun! Wait, is, is Brother Demetrios part of the Masa? He is. Okay. And they're bad or they're not bad? You know, it's very confusing. <laughs> it is confusing. I found it confusing. In the other books, it gets even more confusing. Oh. Because the... You know what? I'm not even going to tell you. Why would I tell you? Because, well, the book is trying, I think at certain times, the author was trying to trick you, sort of, or yeah. let, make you not sure who's good and who's bad. Because there's Honestly, all these parts of... where Jack is like, I'm not sure if uh, Professor Bagad is good or bad. Yeah. And they even try and escape. And, like, Professor Bagad, he was kind of a jerk after Marco's death. Like, he wasn't even sad. He just thought of it as, like, a scientific experiment because he's so obsessed with only yeah. the one thing getting the loculi yeah all right so let's talk about quickly about the different parts of the book okay so jack goes to school and he is knocked out by the school bully and then he's taken to the hospital except torquin is there 
And then Jack was injected in the head. He gets knocked in the head, and then he wakes up, and he's in what looks like a hospital. Or he thinks it's a hospital. Yeah. But it turns out that, that it's, it's not, not a, hospital. a hospital. He's arrived on the island where Karai Institute is. Yeah. And he walks out, and he runs into Allie. No, he runs into Marco. And then later, Allie and Cass come in with Marco. He runs into Marco, and then Marco brings him back inside, and he is like, you're at Karai Institute. And he I tries think- to escape. Yeah, but then he ends up at a helicopter that, the mo- that a monkey led him to. Pretty convenient, isn't right. it? The, the monkey thing was a little Yeah, the monkey crazy. thing was a little weird. <laughs> a little weird. Like, how could that happen? So he's escaping the through the trained? jungle. Was... He's escaping through the jungle, and suddenly there's a monkey. And the monkey leads him to where he thinks <laughs> yeah. is, is a way to escape. And it pretty turns convenient, out isn't it? The monkey just takes him right to Torquin in the. And then the they try to fly away, but then they, the, when Torquin brings the vehicle back, damn. Yeah. And then he gets back, and it turns out that that was all planned. Yeah. And so after that, he sort of is introduced by Professor Brigant into the Karai Institute, and they have a yeah. dinner for him and. Party! And a party. And then in the middle of the night, they try to escape. Right, because, uh, oh, the other thing we forgot to mention about Cass is that he likes to speak backwards. Backward. Yeah. And so he tries to get a message to um, Jack that they need to escape because they don't trust Professor Begat. Yeah, they were trying, they were pretending yeah. to act like they loved it there. Oh, and and right before that, uh, Professor Begat gives a big uh, presentation about what everything is going on yeah. from his point of view. So you're a kid who ha- who could have special powers that could be unlocked, but you have to take these special injections in order to just keep living and hopefully unlock those powers and figure out what they are. If you don't, then you're going to die. So based on that, Jack thinks that if he doesn't get the injections, he's going to die. Yeah. Okay. And then... And so they, um, they go... They find this relic... They get this relic from Bagad's, like, he has this room where he keeps all these relics. And so they get this stone thing that has a special, like, code thing written by this guy. And then they find the other one, and then Marco falls into this volcanic void. But then On the island. Yeah. They hike up to the top of this of Mount volcano. Onyx. Yeah. And then Marco falls in. And they're like, no, Marco, you're dead! Because they're, like, friends at this point. But, um, do you think it was kind of weird how, like, Jack knew Marco for one day, and then he was like, we have to save our brother. (laughs) That was kind of weird. They really bonded. (laughs) Over one day, yeah. (laughs) So, then they have to go, then they decide, they go back, and they say, we have to go get... Marco, he's inside the volcano. Let's right? save Marco! And so Marco. when they go back... They That's go when Jack down. said, we must save our brother. Right, so when they go back and, and they figure out a way into the volcano, right? Yeah. And they're and going the, with Torquin. Yeah. And, and they, they find this magic waterfall thing that helps heal. Jack does. Yeah, Jack does. Um, but in the process, a, he's really badly hurt. Yeah, but then but and it heals them. Right. But then they get covered in bat guano, and that's bad. And then they and then they're like catching on fire. Well, no, actually, the, the chapter name is Cass on Fire. Yeah, Cass gets 
And he's literally on fire. He's like burning and Yeah. And then They heal him. They drag him to that water. Yeah. And he's he recovers. Yeah. And then it turns out that Marco's there and everyone's like, No, Marco, you're still dead and then he twitches and his eye twitches and stuff and they're like, Marco, no, you're not dead and then um and then that sets them off. So then they go back to Bagad and they say, we have to. What? I'm not sure that's, hap- that's what happened. They Marco had, had survived because he got some of the um, spray from the water. So they put him back in. They, they drag him over and then they fix him, except he still has a lisp for a while because he lost he, because he crushed his jawbone. Right. Or his palate or something yeah. like that. Yeah. OK. And then what's the next thing that happens after that? Um, Professor Begad, um, says that they need a, um, they need to set off and find the loculi. The loculi. So they go and, um... And so they get a quick lesson about Colossus and the fact that it's not there anymore, but it used to be. He's the lesson point! Yeah. And so they go off in search of that. Yeah. And, And they have to go with Torquin, right? Yeah. Even though they don't like him. Yeah. So he doesn't like that. We don't like Torquin. No. no one likes Torquin. No, he doesn't really do a very good job, even at his job. Yeah, he's just kind of there. Yeah. He, he's like... He, he kind of screws things up a bunch of times. Yeah. So they arrive in Greece. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? They walk through town a little bit. And then um, they go to the library, and this woman's like, okay, Papu can help you. Papu? Yeah! <laughs> um, Papu can help you. And Papu apparently had a really bad sense of humor because um, they asked where the Colossus was, and then they asked where they could find the site of the Colossus, and he directed them, and, and, and he gave them a map and showed them where to go. That's what they ended up. Where they ended up. Where? A restaurant called the Colossus. But they were hungry, so they ate. Yeah. They Even ended though they're in a race to find the, the loculi. We're in a race to find the loculi, which will supposedly save our lives. At what point... Let's eat lunch! <laughs> At what point do they meet... The, do they run into the, the, other, the, the other group? What's the other group's name? It's when they're at the thing. Um, oh, it's, it's when they find the griffin. And then they're, they're in this church thing. And then Brother Demetrios comes. I forgot about the griffin for a second. So that's... A, Ca- the that griffin sort of turns comes... out to be like Cass's like mortal enemy because... because Who's mortal enemy? Cass's because oh. remember he got him all covered in a cocoon. Yeah. So basically then they have to... Then they first have to battle the griffin. Mm-hmm. And they, they're able to get him sort of a car door wrapped around his head. So they get the they get the griffin. Uh, Marco is able to help them get the griffin with the car door around his head, and then they're able to. What? How do they? So let's get to the point where they're able to get the loculi. So what do they do to get the loculi? They battled with the. Uh, they the, battle with the griffin. The griffin, and then they. Well, actually, the loculus. And then they're in a, the loculus, singular. right? The loculus, and they're racing to get it before the Demetrios gets it. Yeah. Right. Um, and they end up getting it, right? Who? Them. 
The kids. The kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. The young children. Yeah. So, clueless and stubborn. Jack and, and his team, they, they... Jack and the team! They get the... They get it. Jack and the gang. And it's, like, super powerful. Yeah. What happens when he gets it? It turns out that this loculus is the loculus of flight. Which means it can, if you're holding onto it, it can make you fly. And if someone is is touching you, then it can make them fly too. But then, they're healing Cass, and they tell Marco to keep an eye on Cass, and they tell him specifically not to take the Oculus out for a ride and stay with Cass. Guess what happens when they come back? Marco is gone! <laughs> Betrayal, they scream. So the book basically ends with a battle for the Loculus between Jack and Cass and, and Marco and Allie, and... Mm-hmm the brother Demetrios and his group. What are they called? I forgot their name. The Masa. The Masa. Well, it's it's like a few of the Masa. It's not like the yeah. entire group. Right. And they're kind of like, they seem kind of like monks or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, that's just them. The rest of the Masa aren't all monks. Oh, okay. Monks. okay. That's just them. All right. So then we will, we'll, we'll leave it there so that people that want to read it yeah. won't get the movie. Yeah. I'm sorry. Spoiled. We're ruining the book for you if we're going to do that. But um, it looks like we're doing the excerpt now. We're going to do the beginning of the book for the excerpt because I don't want to give something away. What about the scene where Jack is trying to escape and he get, finds the monkey? Okay. Okay. Let me find it. One moment. Okay. Chapter 6, Into the Jungle. It was only a short drop to the ground, but in my condition I felt like I'd landed on iron spikes. Sucking in air, I held back the urge to scream. I pressed my hands to my head to keep my brain from bursting. I had to be careful. I just had surgery and I was, and was long-waited from recovery. Even just looking left and right hurt. Then why don't you move your feet? <laughs> anyway, mm, sorry. There wasn't much to... Much back here, a scraggly yard of trampled soiling grass, some truck tire ma- marks, a dumpster. I was alone, and no one was coming after me. Go. Now. Each step felt like a blow. My ears rang. The distant- distance from the jungle felt like a mile. I was in full view of the windows on the side of the building. If anyone saw me and told Conan, I would be toast. Try as I might, I just couldn't go very fast. But as I stepped onto the narrow path, I heard no alarm, no voices, only the calling of birds, the rustling of branches and leaves. An animal scattered through the grass, inches beyond my toes, barely making a sound. Focus. I hobbled as fast as I could. The adrenaline was pumping now, making me less aware of the pain in my head. The path wound around narrow, gnarled trees. Thorns pricked my clothing, and vines whipped against my face. The air was tinted orange like a rising sun, and the droplets of dew sat on glistening insects on the leaves. I don't know how long I trudged like that. A half hour? An hour? Before all traces of coolness had burned off. My clothes were soaking wet with sweat and dew. Flies swarmed around my neck and, neck and ankles. I was slowing. When my foot clipped on something hard and sharp, I went down. I let out a wail. Couldn't help it. I took a deep breath to avoid blacking out. I had to will my clenched jaw to open to keep from shattering my own teeth. My eyes were seeing double, so I forced them to focus on where I'd chipped. It was a flat, dish-shaped rock, hidden by vines until a foot had torn away the greenery. A snaky line had been carved into the top. I pulled away more vines. The rock was about the size of a manhole cover, covered with a blackish-green mold. But the carving was clear, a crude rendition of a slavering beast, a frightening eagle-like head with fangs. It looked a lot like my ugliosaurus. 
This was freaking me out. I felt like someone was targeting me. I had to keep it together. There were carvings of mythical beings all over the world. Dragons and such. The kind of stuff that ended up in museums of natural history. I didn't care about any of that. Look forward. Eyes on the prize. The path was becoming narrow and choked. To my right, the blacktop mountain loomed over the trees. It seemed to be staying exactly the same size, which probably meant it was farther away than I thought. How far? Maybe a mile? Two? I felt like I was going nowhere. I bowed to keep the mountain in sight, always to my right. That was the way my path would be straight. But straight to what? What if the next village was was a half-continent away? I had no idea how to survive in the wilderness, except from reading Hatchet in my side of the mountain, and I barely remember those. As I plodded on, the day grew darker. The thickening canopy blotted out sunlight like a vast ceiling. My ankle ached from the fall, and my hands were bloodied by thorns. Overhead, caws and screeches rang out in the playground taunts. Check it out, new prey I can barely walk. The woods seemed to be closing in, dense and alive, rustling with wind. Or maybe not wind. Maybe hawks or a nearby pack of pumas or, or an angry cannibalistic tribe. Or all, jockeying for a position. First come, first serve. A shadow passed, and a buzzard landed on a branch above me, cocking his head expectantly. Not dead, I called up. See the moving mouth? Not dead. It didn't budge a millimeter. It was waiting. Birds were smart. They knew where to find dinner. They could tell when someone was about to be killed. My resolve was crumbling. I got it from get me out of here to what was I thinking. Suddenly, the idea of a zombie prep school didn't seem so bad. Time to bail. As I turned, I felt my heart drop like a coconut. I saw no trace of path. The compound had been long swallowed up by trees. The mountain was visi- was invisible behind the greenery. The sun and the mountain, those were the only things that gave me direction. But I couldn't see either one now. Help! My crying said in puny in the wild animal chorus. I said, hoping that would that would get me some more volume. Help me! The buzzard fluffed out his feathers. That was when I caught a hint of breeze. It tickled across my neck and pricked me with a summer memory. The deck of a ferry, a Nantucket shack with mom and dad. Air so damp it glued envelopes closed. I may have been in Indiana, but I knew the smell of the sea. Sea meant shore. A shore was a path along water. I could follow it to a port, swim if I had to, signal to a passing ship. As I moved in the breeze's direction, I came across a pile of, of charred branches and vines. Excellent. With dried tinder, bright sun, and a piece of flint, I could start a fire and send up smoke signals. I gathered some of it, used my shirt as a sack, and slung it over my shoulders. I forged on, feeling stronger. I was going to make it. I thought about returning home. Dad would be so freaked. He could get a job in town and never leave again. We'd work together to expose this place. My brain would recover from whatever these people had done to it. My head had stopped pounding. The ringing in my ears was totally gone. Unfortunately... So was the sea smell. I stopped. I hadn't been paying attention. I sniffed left and right. I sniffed until I had to sneeze. But I had lost the scent. Completely. I thought of retracing my steps, but they vanished into the underbrush. Looking desperately around, I saw a gap between the trees. Animal droppings. The possibility of a path. In the distance, I could see a tiny bright light. The reflection of the sun against water. My heart raced. I hurried towards it, flashing under a thick bush. And then something fell from the sky. With a piercing scream, it hurtled into my path. I sprang backward. As it leaped towards me, I could see knife-like teeth and bright red gums. A monkey landed on all fours and stood chattering angrily. In one hand, it held some half-eaten fruit. In the other, it was jangling something metallic. A set of keys. I rubbed my eyes. I was seeing things. The monkey didn't seem to want to attack. Instead, it turned its back and walked into the woods. I watched it go, feeling as if my beating heart heart would be out of my 
out of my chest. Just as I gathered myself, the monkey popped out again, scolding me, waving into the jungle. So that was the excerpt. What did you think, Papa? Uh, I had a couple thoughts while you were reading that. One is, the, the author's pretty good at describing the yeah, scenery the environment and the environment and, and what's, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's it does like even though the monkey sort of comes out of nowhere, <laughs> it's kind of weird how that happens. It's, it's, it's little monkey yeah, trained, it's... but it's done pretty well. I thought that was pretty good. And it made me want to <laughs> see what was going to happen next again. Okay, so what did you think of the excerpt? Um, I think it was great. I still think it's really weird how the monkey just. Popped out of nowhere. It's kind of weird. I'm like, why is a monkey? Why a monkey? Why a monkey? That's like, definitely how I felt. You just got a monkey. The pops out of nowhere offers you a set of keys. It's like, come on, it's time to get out of here. Right. Yeah, it's, re- it's really weird. Just why? At the same time, though, it does make you want to know what happens next. Mm-hmm. Should we go on to other thoughts? Yeah. I think it's, origi- it's a really original idea and i really like it i think like papa said it does a really good job of describing what's happening and um one thing i I would change if i had written the book is the characters i would make the characters a little more in depth that is something you said from the beginning is that you felt like the characters weren't uh as complete as they could be yeah do they well you've read all the books do you feel like the they get better later Okay. I think, um, like with the Raiden books, the um, like especially with the Heroes of Olympus, you get the perspective of each character, of each of the seven. So you know how you know each one's backstory from their point of view, and I think that really helped with um, understanding the characters. But this book is about the Colossus Rises. So um, what I liked most about the about this book was the plot. I think it was really, 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 really good. It was a really good idea. I. Uh, it was really original and well thought out. It, yeah, I mean, it, it takes the sort of the format of, like, young child uh, discovers they have powers and put a different <laughs> spin on it. Yeah. And uh, I liked that they sort of had to go in search of this magical thing that exists inside uh-huh. of a real world thing that w- at one point existed. Yeah. And it made me want to go back and see what kind of stuff is out there about what the Colossus actually was. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting. Yeah. I kind of skimmed the fight scene. That actually one? got a fight scene. I just got the like the overview of that fight scene, the one with the Colossus and everything. Oh, I thought you liked that kind of scene. I know. It's just for some reason he didn't really ca- I feel like I don't know. I just it didn't really capture my attention as well. Hmm. Like if you just have like just for, I feel like for that one, it was just a lot of things happening and almost no dialogue for mm-hmm. the fight scene. And I think it really helps with the fight scene if you add more dialogue to it. But, um, uh, what is your opinion of the writing style? So, um... We sort of talked about it already. Yeah. I think, overall, it was a, it was good writing. But, um, I would like to see a little bit more depth to the characters. Obviously, we can't change any of this because they were written 
um, quite a few years ago, but, um, but if you were, if you were coming up with it right now, that's, what yeah, you would, that's what you would say. I also or think if that, I were the editor, I would definitely suggest some changes. Ah, okay. Also, what do you think about some of the things like that he puts in there, like the monkey and... <laughs> that was really weird. There's a few other things. That, the Griffin also felt like it came out of... Yeah, it, it came out of It doesn't feel like it's connected to the rest yeah. of the story. It was kind of weird how that came out. Yeah. Um. So I would maybe want to see something that's more yeah. sort of connected to the story of Atlantis and uh-huh. Rhodes and Greece, maybe, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, he could have brought other Greek statues to life or something, or mm-hmm. something like that. Exactly. Let's see. Oh, I just wanted to say, so when I looked up uh, the Colossus, just because I thought it was fun to know, so mm-hmm. do you know what, what god, what Greek god this the Colossus statue was of? It's Zeus, right? No. Hermes? Nope. Apollo? Nope. Yes, uh... you gotta know these! This is your thing! <sighs> Helios. Of course it is. <laughs> so the actual Colossus was 108 feet tall, about oh my gosh. 108 feet tall, which is almost exactly as tall as the Statue of Liberty. Wow, that's big. That's really big. And like the Statue of Liberty was built in the modern era, but the Colossus was built so long ago, I don't even know how they would have done that. Yeah. How they would have lifted it up. And there's a question as to maybe whether they or not... Just, maybe they just built it right there. Yeah, but even then, I don't even know how they, they would have done to be it. climbing, climbing, yeah. climbing. Um, it was built in 280 BC and oh, it wow. collapsed in 226 BC. So it didn't even, it was only up for like under 60 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Editor's note in this episode, my dad is saying BC, but nowadays we use BCE, meaning before Common Era. So yeah. Yeah, just pointing that out. Um, and it collapsed because of an earthquake. I bet a lot of people died when it collapsed. It fell on them and they're like, "Well, probably." At yeah. least I died with Helios on top of me. I don't think they would have been thinking that since they would be dead. <laughs> and then I starting in two thousand eight, we honor you, Sun God. Starting to actually, Helios was the Sun Titan, uh-huh. and um. It's, it's really mixed up about how Apollo gained the sun god responsibility. The most popular guess is that people just stopped thinking of Helios as the sun god. And, um, yeah. I'm sorry, that's not what this podcast is No, no, it is. It's interesting. Is about, but, no, um, it's good to give the audience some fun facts about <laughs> Greek mythology. Um, the other thing is, is that starting in 2008, Rhodes has started coming up with proposals to build a new colossus. But they haven't done it yet. Of course they haven't. <laughs> um, and they don't even actually know exactly where the original one was built. And because some drawings show it like straddling the entry into the harbor. Or, and uh, some show it just standing off to the side. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think it would look more imposing if it was like straddling it. Yeah, it would look pretty amazing. There's a Wikipedia entry that I came across when I was looking at the Colossus entry on Wikipedia. That has a list of all the giant statues in the world. It's really fun. You should check it out. So you just Is look up statues. Is there one of a statues. giant chicken? No. Oh. You can make that one. Why does nobody... Nobody has any respect for chickens these days. 
So, but you should check it out. So when you have time, go to Wikipedia and type in statues by height and it'll pull up all the statues from tallest to shortest. Oh, wow. I wonder if the tiniest one is like this big. They don't have, it's like large statues. Oh. Okay. Large statues from biggest to smallest. All right. So who might want to read the book? If you're a Rick Ryan fan, this is a good book for you. It's not very Harry Pottery. It doesn't really have the same vibe. So if you're looking for a book to read after Harry Potter, it's not it might not be the best option. But like I said, Rick Riordan books. Yeah. Well, as Rick Riordan said, Riordan says. Honestly, I'm not. I, I'm. If, I'm probably. Wor- I. I'm even worried if I'm pronouncing the name correct. I don't. We'll have to look you it up. Send them an email. You can't do that. Oh. Honestly, imagine how many emails he would get if he if he had his email open, and everyone knew his email. Imagine how many emails he would get. That's true. Um, I think anybody that likes Percy Jackson will like the book. Yeah. Papa, Percy Jackson is a Rick Riordan book. I know that. I know. I'm just saying, like, who are the people that would want to read it? And I'm saying the people that like Percy Jackson. Do you think Aurora would like to read it? Yes. I think she would. There needs to be more books that have 13 or 12-year-old girl at the center of it, I feel like. There's the a new lot Rick Riordan one has a female protagonist. Oh, okay, good. It's called Daughter of the Deep. Okay. Did you hear that book? So Daughter. having daughter of the deep i got it <laughs> maybe it's about a girl who doesn't clean her room and she's stuck underneath deep 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 <laughs> amount of clutter in her room <laughs> that's not it the cover has a has people under the sea oh okay mama sent me an article showing the cover so cool. I, i'll forward it to you so do you think you'd recommend the book yes i would um, however, because of the character development, I feel like it didn't wrap up very well in the end. So because of that, I'll give it a 9.5. Okay. And do you feel like the rest of the series does a good job of... It did a better job okay. than the first one. Okay. So if people stick with it, they, they'll still enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Papa, and my listen, along with my listeners, for joining me today to chat about the Seven Wonder series. These books are available in a hard soft copy from Amazon, your, your library, or your favorite independent bookstore. This has been a Lego with Dragonfire Books. Thanks, as always, for listening. Don't forget to review, rate and review my podcast on Apple Podcasts. And you can always email me at bookswithalegra at gmail.com. Peace and happy reading! Mm-hmm.